0: Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, music news, and interviews, and so much more. Head on over to MetalNexus.net and keep up with everything that they have going on. And keeping up with everything going on is my co-host, Daniel Terry. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good tonight, John. Uh, It's warm outside, which Uh... I'm super stoked about. It was like 60 degrees yesterday and today. I'm like walking around in like my little Daisy Dukes. Everybody's like, dude, you need to stop. Your dick's hanging out. And I'm like, well, you know, it's warm out and and, and I feel good about my body. So uh, that's what I've been up to. How about you? Uh,
0: I have been working tirelessly, doing interviews and uh, continuing to do interviews and then working. Uh, It's funny, when I quit my job, to work for myself, quote-unquote, where I basically work a job that I can do whenever I want, uh, and then focus on the podcast. No one told me that I would be working exponentially longer and harder than I did at a normal
1: nine-to-five. It's like, hey, asshole, nothing in life is easy. Here you go.
0: I mean, I, I think it speaks to the fact that I'm very driven and motivated to succeed, however, when you're literally working, like, oh, I, I guess I just wo- worked like a 15-hour day, and then I'm gonna come home and eat dinner, and see my wife for a couple minutes, and then I'm gonna lock myself in a room and work on podcasts for like seven hours. It's like, well, that's that's like almost 24 hours. You and and you only slept for four hours, and then you're waking up and doing it again. Okay, like that that makes sense. So yeah, I'd that's like it. to
1: say I work that hard, but I, you know, I, mean, I do it my actual job. But
0: yeah, well, I have a fear of failure, <laughs> and. uh Yeah, so, and I want to succeed in everything I do, and I almost have, like, a weird, I want to stick it to a non-existent somebody, just to be like, yeah, yeah, I fucking did it, fuck you. But that person doesn't exist, so, it's really just this inner thing I have with myself, where I'm super competitive against myself.
1: Hey, brother, it's all good, because as long as I don't have to compete with you, because I am too lazy, and I wouldn't say I'm not as dedicated, I'm very dedicated, but, uh. Man, I don't know, seven, eight hours. I don't know where I could find the time of the day with me and my army of children.
0: Yeah, well, you have another one on the way, so you're slowly building a Bjork army.
1: Jesus, yeah. I'm gonna probably take over the world soon. Before you know it, like, every kid in America is going to be all like, you know, in flames kind of sucks. <laughs> so there's going to be, you know, watch out for that. It's the new world order.
0: There you go. Uh, but we have a, two guests on this episode. We have Mark Volalunga and Daniel Oliver, guitar player and bassist, respectively, for the band Nothing More. Um, this is a fun one. I was kind of nervous going into this because, uh, I don't know, this is like one of those bands that, like, they're they're the, the big band right now everyone's talking about. You know, they're selling out really decent, you know, decent-sized clubs. Uh, usually getting on, you know, just got done doing some of those Five Finger Death Punch uh, arena tours and such, and... Um uh, we don't really dip into this this territory of dealing with some of these bigger bands like this and uh so it definitely makes me feel like I gotta bring my fucking A game uh when doing an interview. And the funny thing is, like you always hear with these kind of these kind of uh people in these bands, couldn't have been nicer and couldn't have been easier to talk to.
1: Yeah, they seem like some pretty chill down to earth dudes. For being in a band that's that big, I mean, I know they were humble about it, but, like, it's not very often I hear a rock band that, like, isn't, like, super-duper, like, heavy or gimmicky or something that I've even actually heard of. Most of the time, that genre goes right over my head. Uh, But, you know, I've heard of these guys. I like what they're throwing down, and uh, I enjoyed how, you know, you've definitely talked to bands that are much less popular than this, but it still felt like just some dudes talking instead of, like, it being i don't know um some kind of weird like oh my god uh how do you guys how do you guys feel being like one of the better rock bands you know like ever
0: i mean we definitely touched on that with the grammy nod yeah. and stuff like oh that, yeah you
1: did but, but you didn't say it like you didn't say it like a total dweeb you know i guess that's what I'm, <laughs> what i'm getting at that's the one nice thing I'll, I'll give you today for free
0: oh okay yeah everyone gets one yep <laughs> But no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, the the interesting thing was, too, and I I kind of felt bad because like uh, I know we've talked about this a couple of times and we'll segue this into uh, what I'm currently drinking tonight. Um, But it was one of those things where we start talking about uh, the fact that the band had the day off uh, the night before and got into Grand Rapids uh, the night before, obviously. And as such, Mark uh, ended up going and having some Founders Beer. And so we started talking about Founders beer and I don't know that publicists tell you know the guests you know ahead of time like hey this is a podcast that kind of talks about beer or you know can potentially talk about this um so when Mark and I started talking about the Founders beer that he had and some of the stuff that they've got in general and and Daniel obviously talking about like oh I didn't go and you know FOMO is a real thing and so forth um that it was one of those things when we were done Mark was like Oh man, I was really stoked. We were talking about beer at front, and I was like kind of bummed that like we didn't keep talking about it, um, which is good. You know, I I do definitely enjoy talking to various people about the various beers, and I think being a band of nothing more, excalibur or really any of the bands, if if people are into drinking beer, coffee, tea, whatever, they're in a unique position where they've traveled the world over, presumably a couple of times, at any time that we're talking to them, so they really have such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to like. Well, I really like stouts, but you you know, let me tell you, when you go to Europe, the European stouts are just so much better or coffee is so much better over here when we like when we went to South America or things like that that you know, I feel like as someone who may be a fan of any of those kind of things, you're going to be offered a, a completely different experience that you may not ever get to ex- get to live uh yourself, so it's kind of nice sometimes to live vicariously through some of these other people and the experiences they get to have outside of music. Um And I think that's kind of the one thing I I do personally enjoy about trying to talk about beer, liquor, uh, coffee, and tea, and whatever people are into trying to drink. Um, Because you know what? The world is huge, and I'm not going to be able to drink every beer in the world, and I'm not going to be probably able to go to half of these places that some of these people have.
1: Not with that attitude.
0: Well... Not with this financial situation either, but, uh, no shit. (laughs) But with that being said, you know, it's, it's sometimes really cool just to get a completely different perspective on these things and and kind of be able to bond over a shared experience in some instances. So, and I think that's the point of, uh, any of these things, whether you drink beer, whether you drink liquor, whether you drink coffee, whether you are a, a connoisseur of teas, loose leaf tea and all that is just being able to sit down, have a cup of whatever it is that you enjoy and have a fun conversation and, I, I kind of dig that about that, and I dig that about, I mean, it's basically what Dan and I do, and that's why we introduced it into this podcast, so it was kind of fun being able to talk to Mark uh, and Daniel about that for a little bit in this interview, uh, before we got down to the uh, the serious thing of, of the band itself and then their new record and so forth. Who would you like to talk to about beer from the band?
1: Probably Gwar. Is that weird? Um anybody from Guar talking about beer because I just feel like they would um introduce me to a lot of stuff that I probably would not have tried on my own.
0: Well, they have a Guar bar in Richmond, I believe.
1: Okay. Well, uh, let me know what time you'll be there and uh, you know.
0: We'll, we'll we'll do a live podcast from there.
1: That'd be that'd be amazing. Uh yeah, no, I I'd, I'd like to talk about beer with them. I, I really even like uh I would like to talk to them about beer. What kind of beer do you think uh, they like? Group? Half a, half a Weizen, man.
0: Okay. I could see that. I could, too. What about a Pilsner or Kelly? You think they, they drank that?
1: Uh, oh, Pilsner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, I think, uh, debating what beers bands drink uh, aside, let's get into my conversation with Mark Volalunga and Daniel Oliver of Nothing More, and we will talk to you guys when we get back. <music>
2: doesn't fit like in my arms like oh really no, you, like you I can't like, like, like that's all I got and that hurts really yeah you can't well, you can straighten your arms no everything else is great yeah, it's crazy it's like right there oh, it's wow. a good sitting jacket oh. it's good <laughs> shit jacket what so it is it looks cool though so I didn't oh,
0: have the heart to throw it away <laughs> like maybe one day maybe you can just make it sleeveless give
3: it to somebody else
0: yeah <laughs> So, I have the pleasure this early afternoon of talking to Mark Volalunga and Daniel Oliver of Nothing More. How are you two guys doing today? Good, good. How are you? Uh, doing good. Been been busy today preparing for this and, and the week I have coming up, but uh, you guys are here in Grand Rapids on tour. Uh, apparently had a day off and got to enjoy some local, local eatery and beers. Uh, what was the beer that you had uh, over at Founders? Which, Which one <laughs> I did you have? I think I had like eight, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> except uh, that doesn't mean I'm a drunk. <laughs> I just got flights, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, so I had the Kentucky breakfast stout, okay. the Canadian breakfast stout, right. the barley wine ale. Um, I love the, what was it, uh, There was like this crazy raspberry one that was awesome.
0: Was it the port wine?
3: Yes, so, yeah. So good. I had that one. I had the that's Nitro good. Rubeus or yeah. something like that. Yeah. See, so what you
0: got to do is mix the Nitro Rubeus and the Nitro Breakfast out. So good. And then the big, uh, big, or, uh, blushing monk is really good that's out right now. Yeah,
3: yeah. I had that one as well. Man, and they, they had a lemon one that was just amazing. Uh, a barrel aged, uh, like lemon ale or something. And I, I think that was my favorite <laughs> just because it was so different and unique. Um, I, I'm a big Founders fan
0: for sure. It was funny when I was watching a uh, digital tour bus with you earlier, you were talking about Shinerbach and how you didn't have any. So I almost thought about going out and getting some because it seemed like that was more the beer the band really enjoyed. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe they got around to Founders or not because it seems like some people, like, I love going to Founders and watch people be like, What's, what do you have that's like Bud Light or something similar to that? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, what did you end up getting?
2: Uh, I actually didn't go, uh, we all kind of started getting sick in Chicago, and it kind of hit home yesterday for me, uh, but I'm feeling a little better, so, but yeah, I'm a, uh, I love beer, uh, it's funny though, thinking, of going to a place like Founders and ordering Miller Lite, one time, many moons ago, I had a Mr. Beer kit, you know, and got, right. to, got to make my own beer, I didn't know, I was young, and the internet wasn't like fully kicking then, I guess, Uh See, I ended up just making, like, a really high-end Miller Lite-tasting beer, which is a waste, but at the same time, though, it goes to show you, like, how delicious it kind of is when it's totally fresh. I mean, it's a
0: standby classic for a reason. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, We didn't have you here to talk about beer, sadly, as much as, you know, with all your traveling, I'm sure you could talk about many great beers and spirits that you guys have had over your travels. But, uh, you know, your most recent record, The Stories We Tell Ourselves, um, you know, in listening to it over the last little while, Something I've kind of noticed about it that I think is really interesting, but I think it really speaks to the quality that the band puts out consistently, is that it seems like you have more of a focus on creating an experience, each record specifically, as opposed to just, here's the collection of songs we wrote in this six months. Is that something that you strive to really work toward, or is this something that just kind of naturally happens between the the four of you?
3: No, it's, it's, it's definitely something that we strive for. Some of our favorite records are or uh like dredge el cielo it's definitely an experience like you're talking about and i i think i'd, I'd definitely compare like some of our stuff to that and that just that it's almost like watching a movie or something and it's like start to finish it's like your ear goes on this journey and um there, there's so many cool pieces of music that are little segue pieces um and that tend uh to be forgotten about and uh, you know end up getting written out of a song or something like that and so our way of saving those pieces is to make little instrumentals here and there um, and kind of be artists about it and have fun and then at the same time like incorporate like little audio clips like with alan watts and tie more the record together and find those themes and, and whatnot sorry my my voice is you got that I'm radio voice going so right, now. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I should have done the right thing and not gone out yesterday.
0: <laughs> uh, that's no good story. It talks about how I just stayed at home and did nothing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, FOMO is <laughs> a real thing out here on the road. That's for sure.
0: Well, I mean, you got to get your Instagram things going, and you see someone else somewhere (laughs) else. You're like, "Gosh, fuck! I should have gone." Yeah, Yeah,
2: social media be damned. It's still uh, hanging with the boys, you know. Yeah, yeah, you don't have that much fun on the bus typically, but
0: you know, kind of speaking to those, uh, you know, musical intros and so forth. You know, I kind of noticed that on at least the really the last two that I can recall for sure. Um, you you have those audio samples that you use and I was going to, if I had spare time today try to put them all together and look at the lyrics and see if there's any overlapping theme from record to record and see if it creates its own kind of piece like its own full on song based on your reaction I'm assuming that wasn't really anything that you've been waiting for fans to do and put together No, I'd never thought of that before, (laughs) that'd
3: be really cool
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible,
2: you know, like, people ask us all the time if we write a concept, if if we purposefully write concept records. Um, And I I think, like, the concept record, if you can actually pull it off, is, like, this golden egg that every musician hopes to achieve at some point. But um, I think I've found, though, with our writing, like, we all participate in the lyrical aspect, and it really, it takes all all of us connecting on a topic um, for it to get the go-ahead to be, you know, slaved over, well before it even gets uh considered to to be put on the record so you know i i do think what you do end up finding is that we've all kind of had the similar struggles our whole adolescence and early adulthood and uh yeah it is it is like kind of a lot of the same themes gone over again and it would be kind of cool to go back and like chart our personal growth <laughs> if you will, like uh, listening
0: back through the records, but no, nobody's ever done that. That would be that would be kind of cool. It was just one that I, I, knowing how much it seems like you guys are meticulous in every the presentation of the band and the music. It seemed like one of those little things that was like, I bet they've been like planting these seeds all along. So when you guys got to the very cinematic. uh interludes and outros and such on the songs to kind of make it a cinematic thing that it almost be kind of like oh here's kind of the prequel of everything on the last record now we're giving you more of this story and then continuing on with it maybe with the next record and therefore those who are paying attention to everything being presented are going to get a fuller representation of what you're trying to do. Yeah.
2: We're not
3: that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, jo- Johnny
2: might secretly be doing that, but uh, I don't think he can keep that kind of secret. uh The best example I think I've ever heard of that is off of uh, the Thrice Alchemy Index. I don't yeah. know if you're a fan, but yeah, they have like the same cadence on the same. What do you call those songs at the end of each EP? Uh, like
3: a, I, I mean, they're songs, but. They're songs,
2: but, yeah, but they all have the same melody. They're all totally different sounding, but same melody, different lyrics, and. Uh, that
3: that know. was so neat. That's, it was that's a cool idea. Cool. Definitely idea. some of my favorite pieces of music with just that la- the last line in every yeah. song being the same melody, but having different lyrics and it being in a different style too, which is extremely epic and so it's such an Easter egg. Yeah. You know, for for a musician and somebody into that band.
0: I think one of the biggest mind fucks I've ever found on a record was uh, Meshuggah's Catch Thirty Three, and when you have the CD because it's just one long song. Right. But when you put it on a CD and it's broken into I think like 10 tracks or something every time I think other than one like track 9 or something when you skip it comes back right to the beginning of the beat no matter where you skip on the song it is really like a a really like clever mind fuck that it's like I couldn't even imagine being like alright so we know this this pattern repeats let's make every track list track number start where the beat starts back on the 1 and it's like wow that's that's really incredible. Uh-huh. It's yeah. a really fun trick to play on someone with a CD player. Like, yeah, put it on track yeah. like three, and they're like, "This is the same song." Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I, lo- I love stuff like that. Uh, one thing I miss now that everything's gone digital is like the bonus track. Hmm. You know, like you'd get an album, and then twenty minutes after it's over, like something swells in. Yeah, uh, I always thought that was cool. The last one we did it was a record uh, that we it was before Johnny was singing even it was a record called Save You Save Me and I think like 19 minutes after we put this like funk song on it that started with a melodica (laughs) in the beginning real like loud and pronounced I remember this is like MySpace days I was responding to like personal messages people were sending and this guy was like, yeah, man, jammed your record all the way through and not thinking, you know, he just left his stereo, like, super loud, and he said that bonus track came in, and it scared the shit out of him. He <laughs> and he spilled a bunch of coffee all over himself or something like that. Yeah,
3: had to go to the hospital, you had know. To to hospital. <laughs> yeah, we got sued,
0: you yeah. know. <laughs> a great song, a great song, guys. You know, kind of talking about a, a varied... Uh band's careers, you know, between Thrice or even a Mashuga and stuff like that. Um, Something I think you kind of share with some of them is your, your Grammy nominations for this record. And it was kind of funny in looking up, you know, just kind of the songs that got nominated and so forth, just seeing these weird blogs all over the internet where people were like, there's this band that the Grammys have apparently deemed like the best rock band or alternative or whatever, but we've never heard of them. And I feel like you guys have been pretty present actively touring quite a bit bidding on getting on really great tours and being on active radio and even terrestrial radio and so forth so i kind of felt like it was very distasteful to write something like an op ed piece like that and to see so many was kind of shocking and it kind of made me wonder like do you do the grammy nons even matter to you you know in light of the criticisms you kind of get in that realm and or is it just kind of uh making you feel like maybe you are the flag bearers for the underground rock scene quote unquote
3: no it's it's definitely more the more the latter i'd say i mean we're extremely honored you know to have been nominated it's definitely something that you hope to achieve at some point in your life so that's that's totally awesome but yeah it does tell me that it's like man people have really forgotten about rock and it's like because like you're saying we've We've done all these things, we've been touring, we've, we've been in front of a lot of people, but for the general public not to know who we are, it's like, wow, rock has totally been forgotten.
2: Yeah, really, to think that, like, the Foo Fighters are the only, like, rock band still going, I don't know, even for, like, a tastemaker, or someone even writing an article to, I never even thought about that, like, they just would they not Google <laughs> like who, is, who, is the number one, who has like number one singles on rock radio and stuff like that? Um, right. But you know, it, 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 the rock world is definitely in a bit of a depression as far as, uh, just like mass mainstream appeal goes, but it doesn't matter. You know, like at the end of the day, rock and roll to me, I think is still a very pure thing. Like it's something that can't be bought. Um, you know, there, you can you can get songwriting help on songs, and some bands do just straight up play songs that like other people will have written. But it, at the end of the day, like the crowd speaks, and if it's not cool, then it doesn't go anywhere. And I love that about rock and roll. Like out here, there's not one manufactured product. Like there, it's a bunch of people just huffing it with their heart and soul. And whether or not we make a million dollars or not, it doesn't have anything to do with it because everyone's here because they love it. You know, we're not chasing stardom we're we're doing what is the we feel is the most important thing in the world
0: i think that's also representative in in a lot of the bands that you have either opened for or in the sense of when you started being a headliner like you know a mutual friends band wilson i know like you guys last time i saw you guys was at the loft when you were on that headlining run with them a couple years ago at this point and it was just kind of crazy to see even then how of a dedicated fan base you had it was, it was more I felt like when I was there It's like I had heard the songs on the radio But I hadn't seen you guys live And to see such fanaticism out of the fans For such a quote unquote young band Even though there's you know a whole history of you Before even having Johnny be your vocalist And so forth That it just made me feel like that perhaps yeah, <laughs> It just made me feel like that perhaps uh, I was missing out on something uh, sorry,
2: it's totally against. Yeah, I
3: know. It's hard to concentrate. Let me see if I can fix this. Yeah, I think it's going
2: through like the PA up here. Hope this isn't live. No. You can edit this out. Yeah,
0: It's fine. Uh, sorry, what was the last thing you said, though? In your, no, just basically uh, saying that, you know, that I, th- I think, you know,. It's been interesting to me to see the climb, and even so early on, a couple of years ago, with that Wilson tour, feeling like, you know, seeing the the diehard fanaticism of your fans so early on made me feel like, like I was missing out on something, and it's it's been really interesting to see just the natural progression you guys have taken since then, and... You know, is, is it kind of a trip to, to even see how far you've come in such a short amount of time yourselves? Like, you, you guys are went from a – I think the loft is an 800-cap room to now here basically almost sold out. I think probably by doors you will be of a – I think this is a 2200-cap room. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I mean, it – I I don't know. When we got into this, you know, we started back in 05. That's when we took the vow of poverty, uh, as we <laughs> call it. And – you know it was it was a it was 10 years of building them one at a time one by one one fan at a time just going regionally you know we kind of gave ourselves like a 500 mile radius cuz that's all you can really do without anyone helping you uh so yeah it, getting into it you know we didn't really know what the a to b was going to look like and we didn't expect it to take that long it took us 10 years you know before we got on with 117 blah 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 but uh yeah the, I'd say like the last 5 years is been incredible. Like it's been awesome seeing like just establish finally establishing ourselves kind of as a worldwide name in rock and roll and then uh just kind of how the world opened up for us in that in a much larger extent when we released the second record on 117 the stories we tell ourselves and um I don't know, it's been a wild ride, you know. Most I'd say most bands that have been together as long as we have kind of start to run of they start to run out of ideas or soften or uh I don't know this. This is like where Incubus starts to suck. Kind of stride. I feel like. <laughs> uh, so this is
0: your. To some, anything after Morning View is where that band fell off. But to me, I think it's a crow. Left in the murder was a really solid record. I did too. I did and too. And then after that, they kind of lost me. Yeah, but I, I guess. But, yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too.
2: I guess. I guess my point is is. Uh, it's been cool to grow as a band and in the last five years i feel like we've grown not only in like number wise as far as people paying attention but also musically like i don't feel like we're anywhere near out of ideas or anywhere near out of steam to just like keep plugging away to make some of the coolest music out there um and that that's like really encouraging to me but yeah we're stoked You had something to say on the Incubus tip. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> No, we're
3: I was just gonna say we're all huge Incubus fans. Yeah, huge fans. Yeah. And and yeah, have I've listened to everything they put out since. They definitely lost some edge, you know, as soon as Dirk left the band or whatever happened there. Um and I mean Ben Kenny's he's a he's a phenomenal bass player for sure. It's just different. Yeah. That's all. And and to me it was just like ooh. Like Dirk really had an impact on a lot of the writing and and a lot of the style. I think that came out.
2: Yeah, and one thing we're not afraid to do is evolve, and that's something we look forward to doing. You know, uh, I mean, it's art. You can't really criticize any of it if it speaks to people then it does. Like e- even bands that you wish didn't change. You know, they're people. They're they're genuine in what they're doing, and you have to applaud them for going with their heart and not with going with what sells necessarily so. totally yeah
3: you, you can't write the same record you know
0: you know something that i find pretty interesting about you guys with all being correct me if i'm wrong i know at least three-fourths of you are multi-instrumentalists <laughs> um and having such a huge hand in all writing together lyrically and everything is there has there been an a facet sonically that you haven't tapped into that you guys would like to, maybe on this this upcoming record or demos that you have that haven't, you know, been released or whatever that go in completely different directions? Yeah, oh yeah. I, and I think the the answer to that
3: question is well, the well, ukulele. Well yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well I mean, well the, No, no, it's alright. I was just gonna say more in the traditional sense that it's like yeah, they're like the ukulele and and like like the piano um probably having more traditional songs um they're similar to i don't know more beatles or uh, i don't think we really have yeah songs that just like oh, okay this is just all on piano even though we're a rock band um and that's something uh, i think that excites us and just getting into more more of a classic approach um at the same time it's like i know i'm gonna get an eight string
2: <laughs> here in
3: the summer and don't so do it mark I will for yeah. sure. No, but but to keep going on all directions, and I think that's that's something a lot of bands lose sight of. They get excited about this certain type of music, and it's like, okay, now every every song that they do on this album is like this style, you know. Instead of like, just everything is growing at the same time, and we're very aware of that, and we want to we want that to happen, you know. Just getting softer and getting heavier at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know they're. I mean, the world's... Uh, I don't even know what the expression is, but take, like, Zeppelin, you know? Like, they have almost island or, like, island-style music at points, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's But it's some of their best songs, and it's like, how the hell did they bridge that? You know, it's still totally Zeppelin, but it just has this crazy, like, other feel to it. So I, th- I think we're 100% down to explore things like that that makes sense, you know? Nobody likes a stark departure from what you know, but if you can tie in some other stuff, then, you know, some real genius can happen.
0: Yeah. It was really interesting today, and I, I wish I would have been looking at my phone to see what song made me think of this. Uh, one of the songs had a very strong Depeche Mode vibe. The, from the phrasing of the guitar notes and the sounds and the tone and all that, do you know exactly the song? One on of the- our songs?
3: There's actually two on this record that are that are very similar. There's, <laughs> like, uh, the Footsteps or uh, Walking in My Shoes or yeah, whatever, yep. the... Da, da, actually, don't stop. That we're listening to. It's the melody's pretty similar. That you stumble in my footsteps. Yeah. You know, keep the same upon what I've got, ca- and we don't stop. You know, whoa, we don't stop. Like a shotgun in a fistfight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty uh, similar. And then there is, like you're saying, I think you uh, go to war, because da 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 da. Your own personal Jesus, and it's kind of has
0: that ish kind of
3: yeah. A lot of the percussive elements are similar in that sort of 6'8 type of sound and vibe.
0: That it was kind of funny. Are you familiar with the guitar player Nick DiPero from Night Verses?
3: Um, no, I'm not. Uh, I've I've heard some of their stuff, and uh, I've def- I definitely respect it for sure. There,
0: there's some of your you're playing with your uh, your leads over. Like your rhythms and stuff, and a lot of the effects used remind me a lot of how he plays because he does a since it's a power trio basically right. now. Um, but like all three of those guys are just phenomenal musicians. I mean, are now being in the Fever 333 just killing right. everybody, yeah. Um, but it was just kind of weird like seeing some of these parallels between some other, I to me, some kind of lesser known bands or maybe not obvious influences kind of shining through. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to, uh, to ask you, Dan, Daniel, um. You know, the Scorpion sale, a lot has been made about that. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a gimmick, but I feel like at times that seems to be what a lot of fans focus on from when they go to see you live. Mm -hmm. You know, what (laughs) – because I know you've had this thing since even being a small – like, not being able to have bigger, you know, box trucks and stuff to bring this thing with you. So I know this has been something that's been with the band for a while, but where did the initial initial concept for this come, and were you kind of ever worried that maybe it would overshadow the band? Uh,
2: no, I, I mean, I was never afraid anything would overshadow the band, just m- mainly because at the end of the day, it's about songs. You know, like, uh, you can be the best opening band in the world, and... Opening for the worst rock band in the world, and just people <laughs> being familiar with that crappy band's music like elevates as bad as a band could get, they're always going to be better than you are, just based on familiarity and song strength. So, I never worried about that because of uh, that aspect. But now, you know, I grew up, uh, I wouldn't say I'm like an extreme sports junkie, nor am I an adrenaline junkie, but. Uh, growing up I loved racing things like I've raced RC cars uh go-karts motocross hair scrambles I've uh yeah. got into have my glider pilot's license stuff like that and I, I just love there's something about like inner there's just a lot of energy like if you go to a supercross race and you watch those guys clearing the triple you know there's this like chaos to all that weight and speed like flying through the air and landing as it does and uh, I have a bit of a mechanical background, and that's just kind of what I wanted to create on stage, you know. Like, I've, I've done a lot of distance running, and some of my, some of the coolest moments that I've had have been when I'm just, like, hammered on endorphins, like, 15 miles into a run. Like, and the, the music's hitting, everything's grooving, and then a storm blows in, you know, to kind of give, like, a big physical like environmental element to what i'm feeling and what i'm hearing and that was kind of my vision with the scorpion tail and all that like the original idea for what the scorpion tail does was johnny's he uh he wanted to dj the band quote unquote because you know djs will take pre-recorded music and chop and screw it and pitch bend and stuff like that and all in all it's it's cool stuff it's always sonically very impressive but visually it's just like eh it could be an ipod um and so he he actually had this little wireless midi controller he brought into the jam room one day and you know we piped a cut pipe the guitar and bass and some of the drums through a computer and in real time he was able to manipulate that live audio just over this simple riff we created and and it was awesome and it's like whoa man like this has never been done before like uh sounds freaking huge and it's a neat concept, but when I watched him do it there in the jam room, it's like, this is lame. (laughs) Like for like, we can't, if we're going to do it, let's like
3: can't be on stage playing a video
1: game
2: controller. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, you know, really, I just wanted to give a big, like violent representation, visual representation of what everybody's hearing. Um, And that was, you know, what the scorpion tail became. And I had no idea how I was going to get there. Just kind of started going. So, and uh a thousand hours later, that thing was sitting in the garage
0: <laughs> has it has it or will it morph as the album cycles like I said, I've only seen it the one time, so I can't speak to it since but yeah, yeah, do you add to it? does it keep morphing into more or whatever
2: uh to be determined, you know scorpion tail uh it, it was created uh for this album cycle or i will say this it was finished when this album cycle started and that was kind of a part of this album cycle show um and i already have another big creation planned like for the next record and so the scorpion tail in and of itself is a functioning digital instrument um where it's going to end up on stage or how it's going to be used in the future is to be determined but it works, you know, and that the thing that lifts Drum Tron into the air, it works. Will it always have Scorpion Tail attached? I don't know. It might have more drums attached at some point. I don't know how it's all gonna, like, suss out in the end, but it's there, it's heavy, and it's not going anywhere, so. <laughs>
0: um, kind of two questions that just kind of spurned from what you were saying. One, in a foreshadowing, let's say you get to, you know, play across the street here and play at the Van Andel and you guys are the headlining band, what do you see a, a an arena size stage look like? Like what do you have since you already talked about another idea for the next record? Have you already thought about like in the perfect world, if we get to this level, I would love to do X, Y, and Z on a stage show. Mm. Now I'm pretty much out of ideas.
2: Uh, Now I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Now, I mean, one thing, one thing I like, you know, and what I, how I kind of see the metal work is that it, it, it facilitates creativity for all of us. like, yeah ideally you know 10 years from now there's going to be more creations and i envision us at some point kind of all having a station of of just ways to make different sounds and different performance art if you will um because at the end of the day we're all players you know we're up there to make music and it's fun to just put songs away for a minute and do something interesting and that pushes you. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the arena, you know, I have I do have an idea for like a traveling circus tent uh, where I really would like to control the environment, if you will, and have, uh, I don't know, be able to utilize like all of the space in a room custom created for the show. Um, I don't want to give any too many ideas away, but uh,
0: yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there, you know. And then, you know, kind of talking about Johnny manipulating you guys, like, what you're jamming on live and even in the, the live actual, you know, performance of it, has there ever been thought of doing, like, a Linkin Park reanimated type thing with some of your music? Like, just a, a remix EP or anything?
2: Uh, that's a good idea. Can we take that idea? I nah. mean,
0: as long
3: as you give me one. <laughs> yeah. Well, well kind, of, kind of, sort of. It's <laughs> like, we there is, like, a remixed version of This, The Time or Ballast. Right. Yeah. And... And that was that was pretty fun. Um, Just kind of how we, sort or how it like recreated itself because we did this like acoustic version, and then there was a completely like remixed version, and it was it was neat to do that. It's at the end of the day, there's only so much time in the day, so it's it's hard to like. Well, do you spend that time on old material and doing things like that, or do you look forward? So it's it's hard to say if we'll ever. have that time.
2: Yeah, I think as our career goes on, it'd be cool to do something like that. You know, even, like, Periphery did that uh, instrumental album, mm-hmm. where I think they just literally took the vocals off the songs. And
3: and, and it, it was really good. It, it was, really was really neat. Yeah. <laughs> it was
2: really good. And, you know, uh, even with our stuff, like, something as simple as taking the vocals away, you get to really hear all of the intricacies of, of the musicianship that was in production that's poured into each song. So... Uh, I don't know stuff like that yeah as, as we get farther down this road I think time will permit us to you know take some steps to yeah it would be cool to have a greatest hits but it's all remixed and like you know in like a dubs not dubstep but like an electronic kind of way so it's yeah. cool to
0: do I always thought it was just kind of cool with that record because it, it came before basically I think Meteora even so it's like you had one record then reimagined the record and then some other random like songs that were in demo form or whatever, like my December at that point. And it was just kind of really cool, like a nice holdover between albums and just something completely different and out of left field. Um, And I can totally see you guys doing that since, like you had said, kind of already dabbled in that a little bit. So, um, kind of been wrapping up. uh, One of the last questions we've kind of been flirting around. um, You know, you've kind of talked about like this sort of being the the tail end of this album cycle. Have you guys already started demoing some new material? Do you have stuff ready, some ideas going, or
3: yeah actually uh like ben and i have have sent several ideas maybe five or six uh back and forth to each other like i just have uh let me let me get this song idea out and send it to him and then he'll program drums to it and we just kind of listen back and like there's some gems in there for all of them um but nothing like not a substantial amount i know johnny's probably has you know five to ten you don't have 75 songs
0: ready to go (laughs) no
3: no way i mean we we have our treasure chest of of hidden parts and uh, random songs that didn't make the cut and that's that's probably way up there but we're definitely looking forward to the future and to what hasn't been come up with yet we haven't been in the jam room together yet
2: yeah one thing i love is uh like i have a scrapyard of like motorcycle parts and car parts that i kind of plug and play with with the metal stuff and literally the band has a scrapyard of riffs and bridges and like musical pieces that like started a song and got kicked out of its own party kind of thing so there's a lot of material out there for us to draw from but yeah we're uh yeah i think willie willie nelson said it's like songwriting is like a well you know and when you're done with an album it's just kind of dry uh kind of burned out of it but over the last year and a half i think that well is totally filled back up and we can all sense it and we're excited where we're at and to have the tools we have and the resources we have and the talent pool that we can reach out to and we're we're stoked and ready to get that jam room running again
0: awesome well uh where can everyone find you guys online
3: I uh, just google nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find everything there. Myspace.com. <laughs> that's still, that still it still exists technically yeah, if you yeah, can log it into it. It does. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. funny. What was your uh, what was your profile song? Oh, I was it forgot, Emery? I
2: forgot about that.
0: It was probably like short skirt long jacket. Yeah, that's a cake.
2: cake song. I mean, that was the era. That was
0: my <laughs> cake era. Here's a weird question I've always wanted. Does cake tour is it just like one dude dude
2: i don't think they do i saw him one time this is the only tour i've ever known this was like eight years ago i saw him at a new year's eve show in austin but yeah it wasn't a tour it was a one-off okay so we've never seen him at a festival i've never gotten you know the bands in town app notification i don't know
0: It's just always like an anomaly band, like they exist, yeah. But like I don't know any, like I don't know anything about them. I don't know who's in it.
2: It, Yeah, it's one of those bands that hates their popularity. I think,
0: you
2: know, ah, man, I don't want to do this. You know, I just wanted to work at Geico.
0: Can't have your cake and eat it too, I guess. Ah, ah, ah. ah, buzzing. And we'll end it on that. Thank you very much, guys. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. So that was my conversation with Mark Volalunga. And Daniel Oliver, bassist and guitar player for Nothing More. It was kind of funny leading up to the conversation. uh, I'm a stickler for people and how they pronounce their their names and so forth. And so when I was talking with Mark, I was like, is it Volalunga or how do you pronounce it? And he goes, actually, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, My family just recently found out that we were pronouncing it. And I think he said Volalunga or something. I don't remember exactly how he said he was throwing some extra vowels in there uh but his family his dad i believe actually found out uh that that is how you pronounce his volelunga so his like whole life huh. they've been saying their last name wrong
1: <laughs> that's interesting
0: it was interesting i kind of wish i had it recording when he said that
1: <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah i was going to say i don't remember hearing that uh on what you sent me but sometimes you send these to me edited so then i feel extra special yeah but also a little bit left out um uh, no, this was a lot of fun. I like it. Whenever you're like, you know, so what are whenever you guys are on like arena level, you know, what what kind of stage stuff can we expect or whatever? And like, I was just flat out like, yeah, you know, honestly, I've just run out of ideas, <laughs> which was a joke, but was still it hit.
0: I mean, the fact that like Daniel does as much as he does with coming up with, you know, the scorpions out, which if we've ever seen any live videos of of nothing more, I mean. First and foremost, they are they have the energy of like a band like The Chariot or a band like Let Live or Every Time I Die or a lot of these hardcore bands because Johnny their vocalist and the band themselves they just run all over the stage and are a ball of energy and it's 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 a sight to see where you just don't know where to look because so much is happening especially once the Scorpion Tail thing, you know, gets put into the stage and you're just like, it takes like what Clown and Chris Fane do from Slipknot with the, the rising drum risers and such. But like, is even more because it also is sort of like, uh, speaking to how we were talking about Ramstein earlier, uh, or even like Marilyn Manson or any of those guys that have like the keyboard player with like the, the keyboards on the spring. It's like, that's sort of what the yeah. Scorpion Tail is. It like moves, it rises, it it, it does so much shit. And you know, it kinda has a very steampunk vibe since it's made out of like scrap metal parts and shit and yep. it's it's wild. Um there's there's a lot to take in, uh, when you're at a nothing more show. Um and this tour actually that I saw them on was just really it's really interesting. Uh you got a band like Bad Flower who uh we had on the show and we will be putting that episode out uh shortly. Um and then you have a mice and men who have been going through a really great resurgence since losing uh, Austin Carlyle and then nothing more and the opening band was Palisades so like you got a little bit of something for everybody really like if you we made a joke a couple episodes ago about you know uh, Ryan from Fit for a King You know, wanting to potentially do something that's either like a radio rock band or a death metal band. And I'm not saying any of the bands are death metal by any stretch, but like I think like all of those genres are kind of well represented on this tour that nothing more put together, which I think showcases that this band having a wide array of sounds themselves also isn't afraid to to bring out. You know, a a lot of different bands like they're not afraid to have a band that might be, quote unquote, heavier than them or be more mainstream radio rock than them or something completely all altogether different. And I think that's something that's really admirable about what nothing more has been doing uh, over their career between doing this limbo of being a headlining band to being, you know, a a solid two to three out of four band on on an arena level tour. But yeah, so I would uh, strongly encourage if you guys get to go see uh, Nothing More uh, anytime they're playing near you, go see them. It's definitely well worth the price of admission. Um, All that being said, um, tonight I am, uh, speaking of kind of stepping out and branching out of uh, things maybe that you aren't necessarily the most familiar with, uh, I have a Bell's, Larry's Latest Flamingo Fruit Fight. It is a uh, tart fruit ale brewed with passion fruit and limes. It is... uh, Admittedly, I am not a sour fan. Um, but I was hanging out with some friends. They bought some beers. They are into sours. And this is uh, some beers that they bought and then ended up subsequently leaving with me. And in the spirit of this podcast, I thought I would try a different beer and expand my palate. Um, I got to say, it's sour and tart, and there's passion fruit. And... Uh, I personally am not a fan. Uh, I will drink the rest of this this can, begrudgingly, because I hate to see see a beer go to waste. But uh, yeah, Dan, what are you what are you drinking?
1: Oh, uh, I've been drinking Cash Money, uh, which so <laughs> <laughs> clearly you weren't ready for that one. Uh, but no, Cash Money is an Imperial IPA, uh, which according to the can is brewed with a wasteful amount of the very best hops they could secure. And, uh, yeah, it's a really good, uh, it's a, it's another four hands beer, uh, but it's a lot of fun. The can's really cool. Um, this is one I'll probably end up sending to John at some point because it's, uh, it's got that old school rap vibe. There's a parental advisory sticker on the can right. and it's just got a fist with like five rings on it. It's, it's change. a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, cash money is, uh, is worth it for sure.
0: That sounds way better than what I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Dan can actually see the faces I'm making as I'm drinking this begrudgingly, but um, yeah. you know what? I, I I think that's the fun thing about you know drinking in general, and we kind of touched on it a little bit in the intro. I mean, there's so much variety, and it, it's the same thing with music. Um, even if I don't necessarily like this, I definitely I can I taste everything that it it says it is, and it totally hits all the marks that it says it does. It's just not for me. It's not a thing I'm into, and you know what the weird thing is though is, a couple years ago I hated gin, now I love it. So maybe in a couple huh. years, like a, a a fruit ale or a tart or a sour beer will be what I'm really all about. But for right now, my my palate just isn't uh, really digging this this beer this ale. Um, but I will say the can the can is pretty cool. Um, it's pretty yeah. You know, it's got flamingos fighting over some uh, some fruits. And, I would
1: try it based just on the can.
0: Yeah, the can. I mean, that's it, it. Got me. Like, I I didn't. I wasn't gonna go buy it, but when my friends got it, I was like, I mean, that looked pretty cool. I I, I mean, the can looks really sweet. And Bell's is kind of hit or miss for me. Bell's either really knocks beers out of the park. Like, I just recently saw a billboard that said uh, Two Hearted is like the number one selling beer in America. Yeah. Which at first I was like calling bullshit on. I was like, no, there's no way. But Honestly, in a lot of the traveling we've been doing lately and, you know, talking to a lot of bands who drink, they're always like, oh, do you got Two-Hearted? So, I mean, oh. yeah, I, I guess. I guess maybe it, I, maybe it is one of the most uh, – because I guess probably like when you go to concerts and so forth or go to a lot of venues, it's probably one of the decent craft beers that maybe they have on draft. So, I guess I could, I could see Two-Hearted being – a oh, oh, widely distributed enough that it might be like the number one beer in America. But I still feel like it's gotta be Bud Light. Honestly,
1: it has to be Bud Light. I mean, how many Bud Lights do you think they sell at any baseball oh, game? Oh God, how many, all of it, right? How okay. many
0: Bud Lights do you see being drank at any concert?
1: Dude, I'm probably a mile away from 4,000 empty Bud Light Gans.
0: <laughs> I, I think we both are. <laughs>
1: yeah. A lot of natty lights out here though. Cause we're poor down here. Oh,
0: okay. P o u r. Yes, but uh, kind of in wrapping up this episode, if you would like to keep up with all things, nothing more, you can find them on Facebook at nothing more Instagram at nothing more music and Twitter at nothing more rock. And if you would like to keep up with Mark, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Mark Volalunga. Uh, The show notes will have his name spelled. I'm not going to spell it out for you. And Dan, uh, if you want to follow him, he's on Instagram and Twitter. At Dan Funk Railroad, which is a, a clever name, uh, but sadly he doesn't really do anything on either of those uh, socials, so do with that as you will. If you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And if you would like to keep up with Dan, Dan will tell you right now where he can be found.
1: Well, right now I can be found at my house, more specifically the basement. Um, if you don't know where that is, send me a message. I'm sure I'll totally just send you where I'm at. And uh, But you can also find me more traditionally on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan, Dan. And uh, you can even find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, if you're so inclined, uh, at DiscussMetal.com.
0: And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can find us simply on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BrewSpeakPod email us at brutally speaking at gmail.com. And if you would like to be a show sponsor, email us as well. And for our show sponsor, we have the bean bastard as always find them at the and follow them on Facebook and Instagram at the for the brutally speaking podcast.
1: I am John and I am Dan, and we will talk to you guys next time.